This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler Atkins. and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome on in. This is Chicago's College Tailgate brought to you by Twin Peaks. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling. Our final show of the year, Shay, as we get ready for the national championship coming off yeah, of don't remind me. the best playoff we've ever seen in the four-team format with Michigan and Bama, Washington and Texas. Two epic games, two thrilling finishes. One game goes to overtime. The other game is stood up inside the red zone on a last-second chance. What a what a way to go out in the four team format. Yeah, I mean this is, and you know what's funny? Like I saw a lot of people saying it. I, I, this is not a victory lap. It's not even something I really care about because whatever, like we want to say about it, we are going to twelve teams. But the BCS would have had Michigan and Washington before the games even got played. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so you just you get the two great games next year. We're gonna have what six of them, and they're not gonna be very good. I think they'll still be good. I'm still excited for the way that it's all going to transpire with the the 12 team playoff because I think you just bring validity to the other games. There there is not a single other bowl game that matters anymore, and I think by doing this, you'll bring back bowl games that matter. Can I also just peel the curtain back before we dive in this morning? Go for it. I have never felt (laughs) as old as I felt in a room this morning. It really put into perspective that the two of you are much younger than me, Tyler and our great producer, Justin Bottinger. Specifically, Justin. We are sitting in the studio... And about 8.55, ESPN on the televisions throws up the LSU-Ohio State women's gymnastics match. (laughs) And the two of you were like rabid dogs. Can I get either of you a bucket of cold water? Put Livy on the screen. Where's Livy? And I'm like, listen, how old are you? 26. Too old. How old are you? 23. Acceptable. (laughs) I'm 29. I'm like, I, I, I don't care. I don't really. It's a, not, not appealing to me at all. I'm not, like, interested <laughs> in this. And the two of you are barking at the television. Dude, illegal to like gymnastics? I mean, jeez, man. I'm just, Go I have, Tigers. I have Go never tigers. felt so old as the two of you losing your minds. I, you were foaming Vior- at the mouth. Viore Queen, yeah. Okay. <laughs> What happened? Every time those, uh, what, what does she do? This, the, the, uh, like, is it perfume? What the commercials that she does or the sportswear? It's like athletic yeah, wear or something. Is that what it is? Yeah, Viore. I didn't even know the brand. Every time, every time that that <laughs> comes on, do you saying? like, do you like pause your TV? You gotta, you gotta like take care of business. I'm like, the two oh, of you geez. were out of control. Dude, sorry, I'm you, a fan. I Me? gotta get you a bucket of cold water. What you need to do is DM Livy Dunn. Yeah. Right now. Dude, I can't call my shot. My girlfriend's listening. I can't do that. Why? It's content. All right, we'll do it at the break. Nobody thinks that you're going to actually hook up with Livy Dunn here. Dude, I'd hit a double off her boyfriend. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. We're done. Let's talk some football. What are we doing? He was the number one pick what in the draft. What are we doing here? I'd lean in. I take one. I take one for you, Livy. I'm getting a first base by hook or by crook, and stealing second. He's throwing his hand out over the plate. That guy's the number one pick in the draft. I'm gonna hit a double off him. Oh. 
Could your brother? You think your brother could hit a double off of him? Oh, for, for sure. Of course <laughs> he could. <laughs> I'm taking 450 center field. Oh my those gosh! Paul Skeens. For the, I'm getting hot back here. For those who don't know, yeah, Ju- I can tell. For those <laughs> who don't know, when the TV came on, <laughs> Justin's brother is a very accomplished baseball player. He was in the College World Series this past year. Adam Pottinger. He was on SportsCenter Top Ten like. Every other week, it felt like, too, making plays in the outfield. Should have been me. Also had, like, the goon play of the year, too, where he faked a robbed home run. Yeah, he was all over over SportsCenter. We'll see. Big year for him. The faking a robbed home run was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. That was awesome. He sold the hell out of it. He didn't mean to. Like, he thought he caught it. That's the best part. (laughs) Like, he thought he caught it. He came down, and it was home field, too, so everyone was going crazy. He had no clue what to do. It's better if he actually fakes it but yeah the story behind it like i think you just ruined so it funny i actually think you may have just ruined that for your brother dude i know but that's what it, <laughs> it, it, it's funny though big year big year big year for him good luck right. to adam so the I two i just i needed the, the people horse. to know i'm in here with some horn dogs apparently <laughs> good luck to adam good luck to livy let's, let's, let's talk some I'm football i'm just saying it's a little early, it's a little early. <laughs> <laughs> my god Get her on the screen! Sports Center knows. Put her in the match. They're showing all these people. We have no idea who they are. We know who Livy is. The other girls deserve the limelight too. You people. As Pottinger (laughs) said, (laughs) is it a crime to be a fan (laughs) of gymnastics? Let's talk football. I'm going to leave that alone. (laughs) Let's talk football. All right, Michigan and Bama. That was the overtime game that we saw in the the first playoff game of the day the rose bowl and this is kind of like quintessential what we've gotten to know of michigan ever since they got into the meat of their schedule the penn state game the maryland game the ohio state game not really the big 10 championship because iowa was on the other side but they've had to play I don't want to say hero ball because that's not the right word, but they've had to play in some clutch moments, and you really get to see who the true Michigan team is, and they're playing in some of these close games, and Bama has a lead late in this game, and then ultimately J.J. McCarthy goes down, leads a nice drive, and it's kind of been the motto of his season. When he's been asked to make big throws, boy, does he make them. He just hasn't been asked to make a lot of them. Well, I think, like, you mentioned seeing who Michigan this team actually is. I think that's the biggest thing from all of this, like the cheating scandal and everything. Look, it's cl- if you're going to say that the cheating played no role in anything, then you're burying your head in the sand. Like, they were eviscerating everybody. And then it stops, and all of a sudden we're seeing the real version of them. And I think the thing that bothers me about it, they clearly never needed to cheat. Yeah, They're an extremely good football team that could win these games on on their own. They didn't need to do extra stuff. So that's the part that I think is going to rub people a little bit the wrong way. But again, like my take the entire time, if you're a Michigan fan, enjoy it. You get your first chance at a national championship since 1997. Your first chance at an undisputed national championship since effectively World War II. Enjoy it. Like this is huge for you if you're a Michigan fan. And despite the fact that if you beat Washington, it will be vacated by the NCAA. They can't get the men in black thing out and wipe your memory. Right. So I just like you can still have the T-shirt. Have fun with it. This you team still is wear the hat. This team is extremely good. They're deserving of being in that spot. They've won the last four games at least legitimately. The Penn State game where they ran what thirty-two consecutive runs. Yeah. Like they, they've just been a different team. It's gone back to what. This is like when Harbaugh first got there, and I think they had Wilton Spate, and it was 
all ball control, all power run. They didn't really throw the ball or get vertical at all. It was entirely field position and special teams and defense. And it feels like that's what this team is now that we have like peeled back everything else and see what they actually are. Well, maybe but not special just, teams, but in one game, I mean, yeah. they were the number one ranked special teams in America, well, and then they it. go into one game where it's but a disaster. It. How much special teams did they really have to utilize? Oh, fair, that's <laughs> a fair point the because they weren't punting a lot and they weren't kicking anything but extra points. Yeah, so that's fair. But I just. I feel like this is the best version of the team that Harbaugh has always tried to build. Like, he finally has the right players in place. He clearly doesn't care about perimeter weapons because they don't have any. Like, Roman Wilson plays the slot, and he's kind of the focal point of the vertical offense. And then it's just J.J. option reads and handoffs for Blake Corum and the dead body of Donovan Edwards. No. What the hell happened to Donovan Edwards? I have no idea. He's going like, to change the game if you ask him, but he's terrible. The, the guy averaged north of seven yards per carry last year. He's down to three and a half. Three and a half. It's been sliced in half, and it's like going from 7.1. Like, if he goes down to five, it's like, okay, five is still really good. And 7.1, even though it was a decently large sample size last year, Seven point one. You knew that wasn't. You knew it was going down this year. You didn't think it was going to go to three and a half. Even if it was four and a half, you run with that as your second running back. There, he had more carries last year than he did this year. Unbelievable. Like you've uh, seven point one yards per carry, almost a thousand yards on one hundred forty carries last year. This year, one hundred thirteen carries for less than four hundred yards. What the hell happened? I don't know. I dude, I remember talking about this team preseason, and I remember saying because I believed it. Donovan Edwards is the better of the two backs. Blake mm-hmm. Corum gets all the limelight. Donovan Edwards is the better of the yeah. two. <laughs> Not even I, close. <laughs> I was wrong. I'm happy to say I was wrong because yeah. this guy's terrible. Yeah. It, I mean, and Corum, he makes the play in overtime. That was uh, like one of the best moves we've seen out of a running back this year in college football. Gets to the outside, gets into the end zone on a 21-yard run there. And you just see what this Michigan team has been like it has been resilient all year long and you can talk all the junk you want about the sign stealing and all that like did it play a factor it played a factor in, in the games margin they would have of won victory any. yeah right it didn't play a factor in the result and outcome of any single game this season so that's why any sort of asterisk that's on this season to me is out the window at this point i will not acknowledge any asterisk that's put on this season because the cheating did not impact wins and losses this year. And you're seeing Michigan win legitimate games and even some where they're at a deficit. I mean, they won the last three games of the season without their head coach. And you can say, oh, how much does that really matter? Because Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter have been such an integral part of this. But like, it clearly does matter. And Jim Harbaugh was there as a part of practice. It was just the four hours of the game that he couldn't be a part of it. But you look at everything that Michigan has done this year and they just keep on knocking down these walls along the way. And I think this was a big one. I think a lot of people, and a lot of, a lot of smart people too, really thought Bama was going to control this game. And for a little bit there, Bama did. But then they kind of threw up all over themselves in that first half, and it may have been enough to set them back in the second half. That was a game where if Bama stuck to their game plan of what they were doing in the third quarter and the early stages of the fourth quarter as well, Bama probably wins that game by like, 10 to 14 points. I will say, though, like a lot of people, I think, look at this and go, well, Michigan didn't play very well, but they got the win anyway. 
I thought Michigan was like quite clearly the better team. Yeah, almost the entire game. If you throw out the third quarter where they got about ten feet of offense, they were by far better. First half, they were way better. And then in the fourth quarter, they just started asserting their like dominance yeah. on the field in the lines of scrimmage again. Like it felt like Bama started feeling something when they went power run and they started to just really enforce on the line of scrimmage the offensive line we're going to beat you. But as soon as they got back into shotgun dropbacks, the center can't snap the football. Yeah, and it does. Like Saban will tell you, we shot ourselves in the foot. They did, but they also were the worst team in the game. Should not have won, quite frankly. Like, if you look back at the numbers, Michigan outgained them. Uh, Michigan just straight up played better. Yeah. I mean, the the story of the first half was the sacks. And and Michigan picks up five first-half sacks, but in the second half, they only get one. And you look at how things went in that first half, and you were like, oh, boy, this is going to be a long day for Alabama. But they find a way to claw their, their way back into it, and it's just like... They needed to realize earlier the deep ball was not going to work right. in this game. And because of the pressure that Michigan was getting on you, and also the fact that I don't see Julio Jones out there. I don't see Devontae Smith out there. I don't see Jalen Waddell out there. Like Those dudes don't exist on the outside for Bama this year. Yeah, and you've got Will Johnson playing a mile off of uh, uh, Burton on the line of scrimmage. And I feel like, honestly, like as bad of a game as Tommy Reese called for Alabama, in my opinion, he's also a little bit limited because Milrow short and intermediate passing is awful. Like he might not, he might as guy, well not exist. When the guy's ten to twelve yards off of you, like adapt. It's right there. Like you would think, that. but can he make those throws? He's going to sail it over Burton's head. Like it got that's... to a point though in that third and fourth quarter where he started to hit those throws though, and it's like you have to at least try him. Right, and, I agree. And, when they, and when they tried them, they were working in this game, and you just it felt like too little, too late for Bama. And then I I didn't feel too confident in them in overtime, just because I felt like oh, Michigan, no, they're, they're Michigan, not built to win in overtime, right? No, th- yeah, this team like you need a game breaker. Michigan has one, Blake Corum. All right, he can be a game breaker in the college game. On the other side, it was kind of Jalen Milrow or bust, and you're not going to win in overtime when. Your best plays are, are QB running plays. The only shot Alabama had was surviving the three overtimes because their defense then, couldn't stay on the field. And then you just hope that you get the two-point stop. Right, yeah. When that it comes was down the to only the, prayer. Which I think you do have to, when, when we talk about these playoff games, I'm cool with the college overtime format, but I think you have to go back to the traditional college overtime format. For a playoff game. Yeah, the two-point tries has got to go like, out the window. It, if it had come down to that, people would have been absolutely outraged. Like, can you imagine if we have a national title game that's decided by dueling two-point conversions? I hope we do. Oh, I'm boy. Honest, I'm rooting for it. I, I'll say this, though. With Washington and Michigan, I'm cool with it. But, like, a game like this, it, it would have felt dirty. As a college football fan, like, my thing with it is... I was hoping for it in the semifinal, and I'm hoping for it in the national championship because I get that my sport is niche, and I get that like people aren't going to watch Penn State and Iowa go seven overtimes and have five mm-hmm. dueling two point tries. That's they're just not like people aren't watching that game. Eyes will be on the semifinals, and eyes will be on the national title. And if the national title gets decided by dueling two point conversions. We're going to get change. (laughs) So I just hope that it does. I'm rooting for that. Yeah. Listen, I don't care about it in the regular season, but in the playoff, like, 
It's it's like the runner on second base in baseball. Like when we get extra innings in the postseason, all that stuff goes away. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the way that I think it should be also with the with football in, in the college level, too. All right. When we come back, we'll get into the other game, Washington and Texas. If you want to join us as well, 312-332-3776 is the phone number. This is Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's football game day starts with Chicago's College Tailgate. From red shirts to mascots to your school's alma mater, Chicago's College Tailgate has it all. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. You fire off that DM, Posse? Just waiting a response. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Let me know when it switches over to scene. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll talk to you in 45 years. Do you years. think he even gets past the request part? No chance. It, there's no way that her DMs are. If you missed it, Potsy was barking at the TV when they showed LSU gymnastics. <laughs> barking. You were. I, you, ooh, is ooh, that ooh. unfair? No, uh, yeah. I needed some water. So we're making... <laughs> <laughs> you are thirsty. We are we are making uh, Justin Pottinger DM Livy Dunn, and we're going to see what happens. There's no way she has open messages. No, I don't think so. Uh, it, it doesn't. Al- you got to be friends. Well, no, I think de- she definitely has like an email for business inquiries. So, but this is. The- <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. This is not a business inquiry. This is personal. Yo. I sent it. You, sent said, it. you, you said yo? Yo, th- baby steps, baby steps, Shay. <laughs> yo? It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's getting you nowhere. We'll see. Yo. Was that your first line to your current girlfriend when you met? Yo. <laughs> Something your like opening that. opening line? Something like that. Yo, vegetables, <laughs> man. They're in. <laughs> Do you like pizza? No, no. Not no. <laughs> All right, let's get into this Washington and Texas game here because I I was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this one because you look at the offensive showcase. It was a complete 180 from the first game where it was largely offensively played. And this second game, the nightcap, I thought it was like the perfect, I thought it was like the perfect night game for college football, right? Like high scoring, a little bit of a Pac-12 after dark feel to it as well, like Everything about it was fun, but you had Washington take down Texas and move on to the national championship. And this Washington team, man, that offense continues to fly, but we've been talking about it all year. The situational play of Washington's defense. Washington isn't a good defense, but situationally they stand tall. And they did it once again on that final drive where Texas is bearing down on you towards the Towards the end of the game, in the final moments, they uh, they go down, they kick the field goal to pull it within uh, six, and then you have uh, the turnover on downs inside the red zone. They get all the way down to the 13, and it's just one of those moments where, like Washington, they it's bend, don't break, and that's what they've been all year defensively, and they did it once again. What's insane to me is they, like I think the 119th ranked pass defense in America, like they're terrible. Against the pass. But then they get... It's a little bit like the defensive version of Penix to Adunze and critical downs. Yeah. Is the fourth down fade route, and they just get 
the best play they're going to get out of a defensive back all season, swatting the ball straight out of the hands of the receiver. And it's not right, like they man. don't have guys on defense. Like, they've got some guys. Braylon Trice m- might be a first-rounder on the defensive line. They've got a couple D-backs that can play. But the, the sum of the parts just it's isn't there. It's not very good. They, that's where, like, I think against Kinda Michigan. Chargers-ish. Michigan, they might be in a little bit of trouble. I thought they were going to be in trouble against Texas, but they just keep finding ways to survive these games. And, like, this game didn't even feel like they were surviving. They were whipping Texas's ass, quite frankly, yeah. in the second half. And some things conspired, like Dylan Johnson getting hurt with 42 seconds left, forcing oh, the clock yeah. to stop. Like, things just kind of went very wrong for Washington at the end of the game. And it almost resulted in Quinn Ewers leading the Longhorns down the field and somehow, like, getting in position to win the game from the 12-yard line just didn't work out. But the way that Washington continues to survive these moments... It doesn't feel like last year with TCU, it it felt kind of fake. It felt like this is a team that's just every break is going their way. Yeah. They're getting to the ends of these games by the skin of their teeth, and they're just getting lucky. And Washington has had a lot of that. Like the uh, Penix bullet that gets tipped up and is directly in the route of yeah. Jalen Polk anyway, mm-hmm. and he results in a touchdown. Touchdown, you and you're like that, didn't you? Well, I'm just like, how lucky <laughs> can one team get? Michigan, I think you're going to have to be a little better than lucky. Like Texas, I think the luck could help you. Yeah. I, we're going to have to see Washington play a little bit of a different game than they have when they get to to Michigan. Because I don't know if like Penix was great against Texas, but Texas has no pass rush to speak of. They cannot impact the quarterback with pressure Mm -hmm. at all from the defensive ends. It's all through the interior. And if that's not working, you're going to see things like 29 to 38 for 430 and two tutties. Yeah. And I will say this about Penix, too. Like, I was surprised with his mobility as well. And we were talking a little bit about this on the podcast, too, um, recapping all the games. He's healthy. He's healthier, and, and he looked a little slimmer to me as well. And I'm wondering if he had some sort of guard on his ribs after he took the shot against Oregon the first time they played, and then you saw him. He didn't look the same after that pretty much the rest of the way. Um, a little, You saw a little bit of, of it in that uh, championship game in the Pac-12, but he looked like a completely different guy. He looked way healthier. He was slinging the ball all over the yard. Everything, and I mean everything, was on target for him. Like, even his incompletions were on target. And it felt like there was a mobility to his game that we haven't really seen this season. And he runs for 31 yards in this game. We haven't seen Michael Penix be this guy that's going to take off and run, partially because you've got the best offensive line in in all of college football. So why would you, right? And you've got three NFL wide receivers on your roster, so they're always going to be open. And it's... It felt very Ohio State-ish. You know what I mean? Like, great offensive line, and you know you've got perimeter weapons for days. That's a good comp because that's, like, watching them, it feels like Urban Meyer's Ohio State a little bit. Where you've just got a quarterback who will bomb it. It'll be on a dime. And even if a receiver's covered, like, Roma Dunze on a lot of these was blanketed. Yeah. But the... The ball placement is so perfect. It's in a spot where it's only going to be catchable by Roman. Like Tunze. the one up the middle of the field, he's covered, but a du- the ball is right there, 
and Adunze is a top 10 pick for a reason, and he goes up and makes the play for his quarterback. Or some of them, like all season, you'll see him running down the sideline with a DB Velcroed to his jersey, and the ball is just in such a perfect spot, right in a basket, in stride, don't have to adjust at all. And you're an NFL talent. Like, it's a bit like watching Marvin Harrison Jr. if he had a legitimate quarterback. You know what it is? If it honestly feels like a lot of those Justin Fields Ohio State teams. A little bit. Because he has the weapons around him. Like, he's got his Garrett Wilson-Olave duo. And he just can sit back there all day and do what he wants. And that's probably why we didn't see Penix run. Is he hasn't needed to. We didn't see Fields run. He never needed to. Now, you know what uh, was the kryptonite for Michigan? <laughs> Was the Justin Fields Ohio State team? That is true, and I mean kryptonite, like giving yeah. up sixty points. So yeah. that is, it's an interesting comp to bring up because I don't think you're wrong. The problem is the defensive side of the ball for Washington right. just isn't up to par with what those teams looked like. Um, it's going to be a fascinating game on Monday. I think the right two teams are in. Obviously, I was hoping Texas and Bama would be the matchup. Mm -hmm. I would have taken Texas and Michigan. I just, I liked Texas. And I wanted Texas to win this game. I felt like Texas is back. I wanted to see it. And once the game kicked off, like even at 21-21, it just never felt like something Texas was going to be able to pull off. Right. And I get viewership-wise, Texas versus either of the teams on the other side was there, but we have the two best teams. Did you see what happened to ticket prices? Yeah, I did. They went down like what, like eight hundred dollars at halftime of the, uh, or no, in like the end of the third quarter of the Washington uh, uh, Texas game. Yeah, it was like they. It were, was like a nineteen hundred dollar get in price, and then it was like eleven hundred dollars by the end of the third quarter. Yeah, I saw the average ticket price when it was going to be. They thought Texas and Michigan. It was like thirty five hundred after Michigan won, and there are now tickets available for under a thousand. That's crazy. And you know what? Like from a football standpoint. This is the $3,500 matchup, Washington and Michigan. But if you want to go from an eyeball standpoint and, or from a, uh, like an optics and like a cachet standpoint, obviously you want a Texas in the game. Texas and Michigan would have been in Houston too. theater. Yes. I mean, you mm-hmm. talk about two of the storied programs that have not won a national championship in a while. Obviously, Texas more recently mm-hmm. than Michigan. But you t- two, two programs that it's been a while. And they're, like, historically two powerhouses. Texas and Michigan would have been theater. Like, Texas and Michigan, those are two programs that hit the bottom of the pool, right? Like, they were in no man's land for a little bit, both of them. They felt like dead programs for a little bit, like the way that Rich Rod ran that team into the ground. And then you saw all the things that happened at Texas. And, like, we haven't seen Texas be relevant in a while now. And now, all of a sudden, they're having their moment and this is like a genuine Texas is back moment. Like we've seen the Sam Ellinger were backs, but that's not real. Yeah, that was you like, didn't even win is, the Big Twelve. This is real here. Now you've won the Big Twelve. You've gone to the playoff. You have Arch Manning waiting in the wings. That's another interesting discussion. It just it feels like Texas is back to being a powerhouse. It feels like Michigan's back to just be well. Maybe Michigan's at the end of being back to being a legitimate powerhouse, but we'll see how all of that plays out in the offseason. I wonder a little bit, too, is there a power shift that is about to happen in college football? Because maybe a little disingenuous, but I don't think entirely unfair, we have an all-Big Ten national championship game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And, yeah, because Washington is flipping over to the Big Ten at the start of next year. So, I mean... 
you'll see that. Like, you could have, and we could have also had an all SEC championship game, right? Yeah, if it were Texas and Bama, Texas and Bama, it would have so been like, all SEC. We are seeing like the shift now. It's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. Like that is something to consider. Really, like. Tex- all the teams are in these conferences. Yeah, all now. four teams are in those two conferences. So it, you just think like going forward. Well, just like the math of it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like we're talking about nearly twenty team conferences. I'd be astounded going forward if we get to the semifinals and like it's a twelve team playoff, so things are going to look a little different, yeah. and the path to get there will look a little different. I'd be shocked if we aren't consistently ending up with at least three teams from the Big Ten and SEC. In the final four. And would every that every year. Would that further cause a fracture between the NCAA and the college football playoff? I think it would. I think you would start to see the Big Ten and the SEC say, you know what? We're the only ones playing in this game yeah. every single year. What do we got to play? Why don't we these break losers for? Yes, exactly. Why do I got to play UCF in a, in a <laughs> first round matchup? Right. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. 312-332-3776 if you want to join us here. We'll talk a little bit when we come back about the Bears and their draft options as well because you'll see some prospects in these games, but there's plenty of other prospects from the college ranks that we're keeping our eyes on, especially since this team, as of today, has two top ten picks. So we'll dive into some of the Bears draft options when we return on Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Now back to the show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Tailgate brought to you by Twin Peaks on ESPN 1000, also on the ESPN Chicago app. Don't forget to download that ESPN Chicago app. Take all the shows with you, all the podcasts with you when you're on the go. Shay, let's get into some Bears draft stuff here because as it sits today, the Bears own picks 1 and 10. The 1 is locked in. The 10 can fluctuate a little bit. No further down the board than 13, no higher than 8. And you look at the options that this Bears team has I think we start positionally, all right? When we look at the positions of need on this Bears team and where they can find their help in the draft, I think wide receiver, especially with Darnell Mooney, we know is not going to play in all likelihood, I would guess, and I bet you are uh, in agreement with me, he's played his last game as a Bear. Yeah, he's done. So wide receiver alongside DJ Moore, if you really want to bolster this offense and take it to the next level, every good offense in the league has two quality receivers wide receiver has to be a position of need i think you also have to look at the quarterback i think you have to look at upgrading the quarterback regardless of what happens tomorrow you have to look at upgrading the quarterback in some capacity i if it were up to me i would do it with the number one overall pick what do you think about all this talk that like okay i'm going to preface this with this i cannot remember trevor lawrence a little bit But really, since Andrew Luck, a quarterback that was so totally consensus number one, there's no disagreement among the experts. Everybody now, as people are starting their draft prep that watches the tape and puts the film on, like people who I genuinely trust in their evaluations Mm -hmm. of players, 
they all watch the tape and go, this isn't even close. It's not even a conversation. He's the number one pick, and it's Caleb Williams. Yeah. And then we get, like, what what's going on with the way the public perception around Caleb changed? Because it's not like he had a bad season. No. I that's think, the thing is, like, everyone's like, oh, they didn't win games. They lost. It's not his fault. He doesn't play defense. Right. Like, you want him to line up at edge rusher? You want him to line up at safety? <laughs> they needed him to play corner. You want to know something? He almost beat this team that's playing on Monday. Yeah. By himself. Yes. Like, he he had actually a great year, except the Notre Dame game, which I have a feeling is the only game a lot of people around here watched Caleb Williams actually play. Mm-hmm. But people, like, get angry about generational talent. What kind of label is that? There's a generational talent every year. through the, the legitimate generational talents of our life lifetimes? And, like... It's not like everyone else is like I won't even count Peyton Manning in like the general because I don't remember the draft buzz surrounding Peyton Manning. I remember two. Like I in my lifetime, I remember two that were getting the billing Caleb mm-hmm. is getting, and everybody pretty much universally agreed. Yeah, Trevor it, Lawrence and Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. Those are my two also. And then if you were going to go in other sports, I would say LeBron was one, Bryce Harper was one. Um, what uh, Victor Wembanyama was one. Connor Bedard, Bedard was one. Also Connor uh, McDavid. Connor McDavid. Um, you want to know one that failed? Freddie Adu. Remember Freddie yes. Adu, the soccer player? Yeah. That was the generational well, talent that we never saw come today. Best of luck to you, like American <laughs> soccer. Every Good once luck. in a while, I think to myself, what happened to Freddie Adu? <laughs> I got to tell you, comes, I've, I haven't thought that once it, in my life. It comes to my mind like once a year. It's like, huh, Freddie Adu, what happened? Um like, has there ever been one of these guys that really gets the consensus billing? And I guess if you have one, three one two three three two three seven seven six. Like, if we're forgetting a name, like that got consensus mm-hmm. generational talent billing and then failed, I would love to hear it because yes. honestly, I can't remember. Like Trevor Lawrence, you can say what you want; it doesn't look great right now. He doesn't look like he's elite, but it certainly hasn't failed. Right, LeBron. Definitely didn't fail. Right. Bryce Harper, Harper. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like all of these guys who have gotten... Steven Strasburg is another one, I think, that comes to mind, too. Boy, that first... Like, I remember where I was the first game that he pitched. Dude, I remember where I was for his first, like, minor league game that he pitched. Like Maybe that's the one that it didn't really work out, but a lot of things happened to... And And he still was... Really good at yeah. his height. That's the thing I always bring up with Andrew Luck because I hear a lot of people like, "Well, he only was able to play six seasons and then he had to retire, so it didn't really work for the Colts." And my counterpoint is always, "Your offensive line, the Bears, right now is better than Andrew Luck's offensive line ever was in Indianapolis. His front office failed him miserably mm-hmm. in terms of protection, and like Andrew Luck took a two and four, uh, two and fourteen team." to a division title in his rookie year, and then an AFC championship game. He was incredible. Yeah. I think we look back, like, everyone is bringing up Bryce Young's name as, like, oh, generational talent looks like it's going to miss. First of all, that project is not over yet, right? And he's, like, kind of played solid football here down the stretch, too. And also, he was not a generational talent. At one point, he was not the odds-on favorite to be the first overall pick in the draft. It was C.J. Stroud. So I'm looking through some of these others, like even guys that are great, like Joe Burrow wasn't a generational talent. Caleb Williams has been talked about since he was a freshman, since he was coming out of high school. 
some of these other guys have not been like that. Like, you look through these other first overall picks, even the ones that have been good and have won MVPs, like Cam Newton wasn't a generational talent. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that absolutely, like, drills the nail in the coffin is... Well, Bryce Young got talked about that way, and look what happened. Yeah, but Bryce Young also got talked about if Caleb Williams were in the draft, he would have gone ahead of Bryce Young. Yes. And that's where I look back. Someone talked to me. Sam Darnold was once upon a time viewed as a generational talent. Okay. You you can go number one. No, but he was the first quarterback off the board. You can say Sam Darnold was viewed as this incredible quarterback opportunity and that he had to be taken when he was taken. But it's the same deal. That was after Trevor Lawrence freshman season at Clemson. And if Trevor Lawrence had been in that draft, he would have been the number one pick. Yes. Like that's certain guys. It's just different. And Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, Caleb Williams. And I can't remember another quarterback that has been talked about this way. I wasn't alive for Ryan Leaf. Mm -hmm. I wasn't alive for Peyton Manning. I was alive, but I wasn't like I wasn't. I wasn't coherent. I wasn't like living and dying sports. Right? Yeah, I wasn't sentient. (laughs) I was drooling. I was filling my face with applesauce. Like I wasn't watching, making a mess everywhere. So for the time that I've been sentient and like a diehard sports fan, Caleb, Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, nobody else comes close. And that's where I start to go. What am I doing with the number one pick? I'm taking the quarterback. Yeah. And it's not a disrespect to Justin Fields thing. It's a this is the once every seven years opportunity. Right. And a lot of this comes down to like a lot of my thought of t- drafting a quarterback number one overall has very little to do with Justin Fields and more to do with Caleb Williams. And I think when you separate Justin Fields from this conversation, because if you look across the NFL, there is a case to be made. That all 16 teams in the NFC right now, if they were in the Bears' position and had the number one overall pick, not from their doing, would go out and take Caleb Williams over their current situation. I think the from Lions a, would. From, from a financial standpoint and from a prospect standpoint, there you could make a case for all 16 teams. I don't think the Cowboys or Eagles would. Those are two, but like... If I tell you you can trade off Dak and you can trade off Hertz and get first round picks for them, I think they would at least consider it. Like the ones I think absolutely would. Giants, obviously. Washington, obviously. The Lions, 100% would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Packers. Packers is questionable. I think they still would. I think they would too. Vikings would. Bucks, uh, the entire NFC South, South. would jump at the mm-hmm. opportunity. Uh, the Niners would. The Rams would. The Seahawks would. The Cardinals would. Yes. This is not a Justin Fields issue. This is a state of the league roster construction and the fact that this is a truly generational guy handling the football. I just want to bring this up quickly to somebody in our Twitch chat said J.J. McCarthy is being compared to luck by his head coach. Yes. By by only his head coach. And his head coach isn't going to come out and go, J.J. McCarthy, he's pretty good, but I wouldn't take him number one. Like, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, J.J. McCarthy may not even go in the first round. Like, he'll, he'll, probably, he'll go in the first he'll round. He'll probably go in the first round because he's taken his team here and just the importance of the fifth-year option on a quarterback. But, I mean, I he's not a generational talent. 
They, no, of course not. Like Jim Harbaugh saying he's a once-in-a-generation talent the way Andrew Luck was is just a coach repping his guy. Yeah. It's the same thing as repping he's... both of his guys. He's the greatest quarterback in uh, Michigan history. I mean, no, of course he's not. That's silly. He's up there, but it's... The, of course he isn't. And by the way, neither is Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback that, after Michigan history. Michigan, but yeah. like... Wait, what are we doing here? Right. It's just a guy repping his kid. And, like, I get it. He should do that. But the J.J. McCarthy stuff, like, the only – I would only take Caleb or I would consider Drake May if I were making the decision. But I think it's rather easily Caleb. I'm with you. I, I do think this is a pretty easy decision. And and it's one of those things. I, I liken it to the Steelers and Tomlin situation. It's kind of the opposite where – the local perception is way different than the national perception. And I think the national perception probably resonates a little more in front offices. Like, Tomlin locally is hated at this point, right? Even though he might get the team of the playoffs this year. Tomlin is not in good standing with Steeler Nation right now. And Steeler Nation is pushing for Mike Tomlin to be not the head coach for their football team next year. But nationally, everyone is like, why would you ever move on from Mike Tomlin? Meanwhile, in Chicago, the quarterback situation, locally, it feels like the majority are saying, why would you ever move on from Justin Fields, especially when you can get a boatload of picks right. for the first overall pick? But nationally, everyone is going, you got to move on from the guy, and you got to take the generational prospect here. And it's, like, obvious. Yes. Like it has- I mean, I heard Dan Graziano say yesterday on, on I think it was Get Up, 15% chance that he thinks Justin Fields is back next year, which I'll say I think that's a little low, but I think that's more representative of whether or not the Bears are moving on. I think people kind of know within the league that the Bears are probably moving on from the quarterback. Yeah, and I don't think it's like a the, like a lot of people are saying this isn't even a discussion. It's not even something Ryan Poles would entertain. I don't think that's true because I do think there are things in the locker room that lend to needing to have a conversation about it. Obviously, the way the Bears have finished the season, I think it's just purely from a talent standpoint. Like, in a vacuum, if your quarterback were Justin Fields and Caleb Williams were on the board, 100% of GMs would take Caleb Williams. Yeah, I I agree. Look, he's mad. He's mad. Who's mad? This guy. He's mad at me out here on State Street. He He said, nah, nah, nah. Nah? Yeah. We may have had a listener, but we lost one. (laughs) Pottinger. You like Fields. Don't get me started, guys. I, it's, it, I don't know. I Why mean, are you sitting back there being all quiet? You feel strongly about this. There's There's a break. Break. Respect, respect, nah, respectfully, him, I disagree with everything that's been said. Respectfully, respectfully. you disagree. No, you know are what? we doing radio? I want you respect. to get a little disrespectful over there, Potter. Dude, like Caleb Williams, he's a great talent. He's probably going to be great in the NFL, but well, it, okay. we, we don't need him. We Let's, don't want him. Justin Fields can do things that Caleb cannot do, that other quarterbacks in the NFL cannot do. Fields has proven himself week in and week out by making these spectacular plays. And when he takes down Green Bay this week, it's going to be nearly impossible to get rid of him. The fans want him. The players want him. Everyone in the locker room wants him to stay. There would be no point to move on. Dude, we can get one to two more draft picks than we did last year. We got a freaking haul last year, and everyone's complaining, saying, why aren't we going to do the same thing this year? I think we should. We can get one to two more first round picks than we did last year we got 
an excellent haul last year with DJ Moore and all of these picks. Got dude, you can't. Which, one, which you can't, one of those draft picks is going to be Caleb Williams? This year, no, dude, we're not drafting Caleb. No, but you, my point but is, like, you, you can pick up to. all these extra picks. Which one's going to be Caleb Williams? You can't leave that on the board. Ca- leaving Caleb on the board? You can't do it. I can easily do it. Easily do it. I, I don't. The- I, I don't want him here. I don't want him in Chicago. We have our quarterback. I would much rather get other pieces around Justin than to start over and go. T- Ten steps backwards. Crowley, what do you mean start over? You can go all in with Caleb. You can't. You, dude, you lose the whole locker room. You lose the whole dude, team. This guy no, you spins, don't. If this guy spins three touchdowns in the first game he plays, guess what? The locker room's won. Everybody understands it's a business. They're all NFL players. Winning will cure any locker room split. If Ryan Poles makes the selection and then just goes to the players in the locker room and goes, guys, trust me. We are trying to win a Super Bowl. This is the best way to do it. You are the guys I want in the room. Good. That's it. It's You're going to lose the locker it's room. Not, it's, not, it's not a lock. It's not a this lock a for him to be team? unbelievable. I mean, I just, I just <laughs> so don't, don't think you so. Like, you don't like uh, Caleb for the character stuff? I didn't say that. Oh, I never came out of my mouth. What's the problem? I, I just don't like Caleb, man. You don't, don't like that like, he painted his nails? I, you don't, <laughs> wait, so you don't, you don't like him... Why, like you said, he's probably going to be great in the NFL. So why wouldn't you want him on your team? Because I think Fields is better. I think he is. Get a button, please. Right. I, I, th- I think I think Fields <laughs> is better, dude. Yeah, he can take he some can, calls when we come. He can back. do so many things that Caleb can't do. Like we see this stuff, man. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Another Bryce Young. We'll talk more when we come back on Chicago's College Tailgate. Shay and Tyler. Tyler. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Talking some NFL draft here as we've got the college football playoff national championship on Monday. We'll preview the game coming up at 10 o'clock, but do want to squeeze in some of your phone calls as well. Dan, Dan is in Westmont. What's up, Dan? Hey, guys. How are you? What's going on? Uh, not too much. I just had a question. The fact that the national media is all just clamoring that the Bears have to, they absolutely must take Caleb Williams first. Does that mean that, like, maybe the Bears' strategy is kind of working in terms of, like, by saying nothing, are they, like, amping up the price so much that, you know, he could get this, like, King's ransom for trading out the pick? Because... Like, every year there seems to be this narrative about, like, these must-have quarterbacks. And I'm not comparing these two guys, so just let me say this for a second. Caleb Williams, like, think about, like, last year or two years ago with Zach Wilson. Where did the guy come from? All of a sudden, like, everybody's talking about Zach Wilson. And the Jets just took the bait, and they went with it. Yeah, but, Dan, this isn't all of the sudden. Dan, Caleb Williams is – Dan, hang on. Caleb Williams has been the number one pick in the draft virtually every year that he's been in college. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't dispute that. I'm not. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is like the must-have commodity to the point that like everybody's driving themselves crazy to get it. Is that what the Bears are doing to get as much as they possibly can? Like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Locally, like Ryan, like is he such? Like is is like a guy from like you know the guy from uh, Carolina who just threw the beer on people like. I have to have this guy at all costs. Yeah. What is it going to take? Yeah. Like, I get what you're saying, saying like, Dan. I appreciate it, the phone call. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I, Thanks, I think, Dan. 
I think our point is just like the Bears don't need to do that because right. Caleb Williams is already such a coveted name. Right. Yeah. Like the the national media hype machine. This isn't Ryan Poles fueling some sort of conversation here. This is like this guy's been a stud for three years. He's so. literally been every year. If he could have left college, he would have been the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And this year is no different. Even the year in Oklahoma where he played like half the season. Yeah. Certainly and, last year. And dethroned a five-star while he was there in Spencer Rattler, who turned yeah. out to be one of the all-time turds of college football. So like, I, the Bears don't need to do a lot of work here to get other yeah, teams to like, fall over themselves for Caleb Williams. The bidding is going to be done by the other teams tripping over themselves, too, to try to put together the best package for Caleb Williams. All right, we'll take more of your phone calls and also get into the national championship game preview. That All that when we come back. This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate returns in a flash on ESPN Chicago.